Fourth of July, and we're out, a lot of times in the summer we outside a lot anyway, so invariably someone is going to drop some food on the ground somewhere, and we're going to decide, that's right, we're going to decide, do we pick that up and eat it? And then what's it, the five-second rule, right? You know, if you pick it up before five seconds, it's not contaminated. Y'all know that rule? Okay. Well, um, it's difficult to trace where that came from. I mean, I've heard it my whole life. I'm like, where did that come from? And I, I heard this week that there's a legend that attributes it to the rule of Genghis Khan. You probably heard about that in history class, Genghis Khan, all right? Well, he actually declared food could be on the ground for five hours and still be okay. I don't know about that, but if he was probably standing right there, you would probably eat it anyway because you were afraid of him. Um, but a couple of years ago, there was an experiment done by Professor Donald W. Schaffner um, of Rutgers University. He says, I'm going to try to prove this either true or false. So he did a two-year study. Can you believe that people get paid to do this kind of stuff? So he did. He did a two-year study to find out, is the five-second rule real? So what he did is he tested four different surfaces, stainless steel, um, ceramic tile, wood, and carpet, and four different foods. Cut watermelon, which will probably be in 4th of July, bread, buttered bread, and strawberry gummy candy. And they were dropped from a height of five inches onto surfaces treated with bacteria, and the researchers tested uh, four contact times, one less than one second, um, five, 30 seconds, and 300 seconds for a total of 128 possible combinations of surface food and seconds were replicated 20 times, yielding 2,560 measurements. So after these measurements, they found that no fallen food escapes contamination. Bacteria can contaminate instantaneously. In other words, they debunked the five-second rule. Is anybody disappointed? Oh, you're probably still going to pick it up and eat it, right? Now, I thought it's funny. When you have your first kid and they drop their pacifier, you're like, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, we have to sanitize it. But after the second, third, fourth, and fifth, in our case, you're like, ah, put it back in your mouth, you're fine. <laughs> and you all have been through that, too. Well, maybe none of us have actually gone through that extreme testing to test something like the five-second rule. But if you think about it, in our lives, we do all kind of testing all the time, don't we? We test things constantly in our lives to find out if they're true, if they're real. Trying to find the truth out about things. Will this really work? So we do test. And through our lives, we have to take tests to prove certain things, to show that we know certain information. Sometimes we know that information, but in a few years, you've got to get tested again to make sure you still know that information or you know those certain procedures so we can move on to maybe a... a another level in our job or move on to the next grade or, or move on to a, another um, level in our organization, whatever it is. So we, we are very familiar with testing. But if I ask you this morning, when was the last time you tested a spirit? You'd all look at me like you're looking at me now, like, what? Spirit? That's kind of you know weird. What do you mean by that? But that's exactly what John is talking about in our scripture today. He's talking about testing the spirits that are around us. And that may seem strange to us, but if we really think about it, uh, and we look at the background of what John's been talking to us about, and if this is your first time, we've been doing a study in uh, uh, 1 John, which is one of John's letters. You know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospel of John. But the same disciple of Christ that was very close to Jesus wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote a series of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that he wrote to some 
uh, folks that he was pastoring in the first century, and he was concerned about what they were being taught, what they were believing, and what was the foundational truths that they were, were hearing within their culture. And so he wrote these to kind of shore it up and make sure they knew the foundations. And uh, it was interesting, as we sang those songs this morning, I'm saying the songs that we sing still have those foundational truths about Christ that are so important. And, and we, we, when we hear those things and we read those things constantly, it becomes a part of who we are. But John was writing these people who had, as if you've been here, we've talked about in this particular first letter, he's talking about, hey, they had this church going, and then all of a sudden there were some people that got in this church, and they were teaching things about Jesus that were simply not true. And John's going, whoa, 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 what are you saying about Jesus? That's not right. What are you teaching? I hear you're teaching this about Jesus. That's not right. And they go, well, who are you? And he goes, well, I was with Jesus. I was one of his disciples. I wrote the gospel. And at this point, he probably has written the gospel. We don't know exactly. It wasn't in a form we have it today. But it was probably going around to different churches reading. So they got to hear you know, John and the other disciples say, hey, I was with Jesus. I saw him do the miracles. I heard what he taught. And I'm passing that on to you. And they didn't have you know, the printing press yet. They didn't have computers like we do. So everything was passed on orally. You just heard it from somebody. Well, this is what Jesus said on this day. This is what Jesus taught. So this was happening in that church. And finally, John said, I can't let you teach that. i got to call you out on that. And some of these people got upset and they left the church. And it caused, you know, whenever there's a split in a church, that's a, that's a difficult thing. But John says, I'm not telling you to leave. I'm just telling you. I'm going to call you out when you're saying things about Jesus and the foundation of who he is is not true because you're leading people astray. I can't let you do that. So some people had left. So they're having a, a little bit of issues, those who are still in the church going, but I like those people. They were my friends. They were some of my family. And John goes, I'm not telling you not to love them. Matter of fact, you should love them. But I still got to call them out because if we really love people, we don't just for the sake of unity just go, oh, let's pretend that didn't happen. Let's just pretend this isn't happened. Let's just pretend this isn't going on, that this evil that's going on or this falsehood that's being taught, let's just pretend it's not happening. He goes, no, the truth is more important than even unity, and unity is important. So John says, hey, we've got to let them go, and I've got to tell you what they were teaching was not true. And so that's kind of the, the foundation. So John emphasized that a claim to be a follower of Jesus must follow uh, a day-to-day -day consistently displayed action on our part. Our ethics, our values, our character. And that should reflect the character of Christ in everything that we do on a daily basis. And John's also been laying out a strategy for dealing what was going on in their community. He goes, look, I know you're upset. You love those people and they've left and they're still believing some false stuff. But let me just tell you, you need to be firm in what your foundation is. And one of the first things, if you're a note taker, this is a pretty easy one to take notes on. It's a... Uh, First one is this. He says, you have to have faith in Jesus. Not in me as John, as your pastor, or as a disciple of Jesus. You need to put your faith in Christ Jesus, who he was. Born, lived, crucified, and resurrected. That's where your foundation is. It's not in me as a pastor or a disciple. It's not in a church. It's not in a church program. It's not even in the leadership. It is in Jesus, faith in Jesus. And then you need to be faithful to Jesus. Through our everyday actions and behavior, like I just said, and our ethics, the way we behave every day, our values and our character, that needs to reflect what Jesus taught and what he commanded. 
And then the third thing he says, you're going to have faith in Jesus, you're going to be faithful to Jesus, and then he says you're going to be filled with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised to us by Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to resurrect. I'm giving you a commission, but then you're going to have the Holy Spirit. When we're baptized, when we accept Christ and we are baptized, we bury that old way of life, that old self, and we are resurrected to a new way of life, and now the Spirit of Christ lives inside of me. And we have a new identity, a new purpose through the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're filled with that. And that Holy Spirit is like um, an indicator for you. Is what Craig teaching on Sunday morning, is that true? Is what I'm hearing on the internet, is that true? Is what this guy at work is saying, what this girl at school is saying, is that true? And the Holy Spirit helps you discern what the truth is. And we need that, and we're promised that. So the Christian life should be led by a spiritual dynamic. And when we talk about spiritual dynamic, for some of us that seems weird. Seems like kind of do-do-do, you know, out there. What is that spiritual thing? But we are created to have that. We're physical We're emotional, uh, we're mental, but we're also made as spiritual beings. And we are made to have a a connection with God in a spiritual way. And it helps us with our truth and our actions, knowing that. This spiritual dynamic is a spiritual relationship that God created us to have with Him from the very beginning. And that true spiritual relationship is what inspires us, what motivates us out of love to do what we do, because it is something deeper. And we all feel those spiritual moments, don't we? Sometimes it's with a song. And you just go, i gotta, I got to put my hand up. I'm not embarrassed about it. I just feel the Spirit. You ever, you ever feel the Spirit? It can be in church. It can be on vacation, just watching the ocean going, are you kidding me? It can be in the mountains going, the God that created this also died for me. I mean, there's spiritual parts of us. We know it. We feel it. And that relationship is supposed to bring us peace and assurance regardless of the situation is what John's telling these people. I know it's a rough go. I know we've had some people leave and there's this tension there. But it doesn't, it doesn't you know, take away from who God is. It doesn't take away um, that we have assurance and peace and the foundation of who Christ is. I'm sorry they're going off and teaching this stuff and believing this stuff, but you've got to move on. Still love them, still tell them the truth. But you got to move on to what is foundation. So listen, listen to what John said last week. Man, y'all, if you weren't here last week, you missed a great sermon by Jonathan Powell, one of our missionaries uh, in Ukraine. He did a great job, didn't he? He had great illustrations. And we were really blessed to have Jonathan share with us last week and his wife, Heather, and their two girls, Maya and Sasha. Um, so John says this. We're going to look at chapter 4 now. I think it's going to be on the screen for us. Thank you all. You can read along. So listen to what he says. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. And this is the the key verse that we heard that uh, song earlier in in the service. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. And he's trying to say, you got you got to grasp that. you got to hold that. you got to know that truth. Greater is the one that is in you than the one that is in the world. You need to take... Uh, take that to heart. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth 
or the spirit of falsehood. And so John makes it pretty simple. He's been doing that through this whole letter. But let's look at this section of John a little closer. John says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now that may seem odd to us as well. False prophets, spirits, that's just kind of weird. We don't talk like that now. That was must No, they're still false prophets. Anybody that's a prophet claims to be a mouthpiece for God. They claim to be speaking truth from either God's word or something they've gotten from God. And when we hear that, you have to discern that, don't you? Have you ever had somebody tell you something that they heard from God and you went, I don't know about that. We've all heard that and you have to discern that. You don't want to say to their face, you're a liar, you're going to hell. I mean, you obviously don't want to start off the conversation like that. But I've had people, I know when we were selling the church, we had a couple of groups come in and they say, God told us that we were supposed to buy this church. Now, what are you supposed to say to that? I'm like, okay, well, there still involved paperwork and money that has to be exchanged. And it's funny because those same people that God told them that, they never called us back and never signed any contract. So what does that mean? Did that mean they really heard that from God or were they just supposed to, you know, I don't know. I still don't know, but my discernment, I felt like, wait a minute, you heard that from God. Well, I didn't see the burning bush or hear that either. So I have to discern. That doesn't mean they were deliberately being deceitful. I don't know. But at some point, it didn't all match up to who God was and what he said. And so we have to discern it. That's what John's saying. Don't believe every spirit. There is a spirit that comes from God which confirms Jesus as the Messiah, as the Lord. That's what we sang about this morning. And there is a spirit of the Antichrist which sabotages who Jesus really is and is welcomed by the world. The world says, yeah, we, we, we like Jesus. He taught some good things. He said some good things, but he's really not the Son of God. He's not really God in the flesh. That didn't really happen. He didn't really rise from the dead, but he was a good guy. Uh, that's lies. That's not truth. He really was who he said he was. And because some of that is welcomed by the world, many are convinced and want to believe it. Well, that's the way the world's going. It must be true. Everybody else thinks that way. Everybody else is living that way, so it must be true. And in the process, most false teachers will not, again, they won't say anything bad about Jesus. Oh, he was a great teacher. He taught some good things, but he just really wasn't God in the flesh. He really didn't rise from the dead. Well, that's scary because what that says is, is if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, guess what? We're dead in our sins, y'all. We're not going to be resurrected to a new life. We're not going to have eternal life if Jesus really wasn't who he said he was. And they'll even elevate Jesus, but they will not deify Jesus. And God and Jesus both says, the, Jesus says, the Father and I are one. We are one and the same. That's important. That is, acknowledge his unity and oneness in God the Father. And keep in mind that those people that John is talking to in this letter, they can't go, wait a minute, let me take out my New Testament and let me see if that's right what these people are teaching. There was no New Testament. Do y'all realize that? There were some letters going out to different churches that were written on papyrus paper, if you know what that is, that took a long time to... To, to write word for word and get it all straight and pass it on to the next church. And then they had to get it and pass it on to the next church. And John has already written his gospel, and that's probably out there in some form, but maybe these people haven't read it. So they're going totally on people's oral communication, telling you and teaching you things. So if someone comes along that's a good speaker, that's very confident in what they're saying, people go, is that right? I, didn't have a, I don't have a, a New Testament to flip through and see if that's right. I have to go on the Holy Spirit helping me discern, and those who are my leaders like John going, wait a minute, that's not true, or that is true. So we are blessed to have a New Testament. 
So it's easy to see, again, how someone could come in in this culture and these people and kind of maybe lead them astray. I had a, uh, I read a story a while back. It really is not funny, but it is kind of funny. So y'all bear with me in my sick humor, all right? So these people decided to get married, and they um, picked out a justice of the peace. Um, but a couple of weeks after their wedding, a couple of the girls who were in the wedding, a couple of bridesmaids, had thousands of dollars um, being taken out of their account on their credit card. And so they, they called the police and they found out that the justice of the peace who actually did the wedding was not a justice of the peace at all in that area. He was not certified to be. Matter of fact, he never turned, he never turned in their um, uh, marriage license. And they also found out, when they began to investigate, he had this lengthy criminal history in neighboring states and at least one warrant for an arrest. And just days before their wedding, he had been arrested for another set of fraud-related charges in Rhode Island. Can you imagine finding all this out after your wedding? But they said, we looked on the internet and he had great reviews. Now, we laugh at that, but how many of us, I go to reviews all the time, don't you? Let's see what they say about this set of tires. Is it a good one? Should I buy this? Is this delicious or not? You know, should I eat at this restaurant? Oh, they have horrible service. Oh, I don't know. You know, you're going on people. Now, and, you know, you have to weigh that stuff, don't you? Were they just in a bad mood that day? You know, what was going on in their life before they wrote the review? So I have to read lots of reviews. But they wrote and said, this guy was recommended by several people. And I don't know how that happened, but he probably falsified that. But in response, listen to this. This is, this is kind of funny, but it's not. In response, the bride and groom scheduled another wedding ceremony with a small guest list at a local restaurant to redo it to become official. I feel like we have turned a negative situation into a positive one, the bride said. This man, <laughs> this is the funny part, this man is forever in our photos and videos, and we can't change that. Can you imagine? <laughs> You're showing your wedding video. Here's this guy, and he's not even a real justice of the peace. It didn't even count. He didn't even sign the wedding license, the marriage license. And I'm not making fun, but I'm going, this is how deception can be done. There's evil people in the world. And if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus and you don't believe in Christianity, or any of them, you have to believe that there's evil people that steal things and, and deceive people and steal their credit card numbers and ring up, run up thousands of dollars. What, what is that? Is that not real? No, it's real. And so this poor couple got duped. And so John is saying, don't get duped. Know what the truth is. Use discernment. And one of the differences between John's cultures and ours is that we do have a New Testament. I just told you they didn't have that. They didn't have to look up that. But we have <clears throat> access to all that information. We have on the, uh, on the Internet at our fingertips. I could ask you all any question, and within a matter of seconds, one of you all would have already found it on Google or whatever, and you could tell me what the answer is about anything. I love it with my kids nowadays. Like my son asked me the other day, he's all into baseball right now, sorry. And he goes, hey, Dad, what's the longest baseball game in, in history? I'm like, Man, I don't know, 20 innings, you know? And, he, and within a couple of seconds, he went up and, and, and asked Alexa. And he goes, oh, no, Dad, you were wrong. It's 30-something innings. And he knew the whole deal within a matter of seconds. So we have access to that kind of thing. But we also, there are people writing on the Internet about Jesus. The same thing that was going on in the first century. They're saying, no, he really wasn't didn't really come in the flesh. He really wasn't God in the flesh. He really didn't rise from dead. Yeah, he taught great things, and he was a great man. He was a good man, but he really wasn't who he said he was in the Bible. Man, that's dangerous, y'all, because if that's not true, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then everything in the Bible is suspect, and guess what? We're still lost in our sins, aren't we? And that's why we need to know the truth and have that foundation. 
So this is what was being taught in, in, in John's time. There was something called Gnosticism. And I know it's kind of nerdy stuff. You're like, oh, boy, this is going to be boring. It's just the name Gnosticism, okay? Well, it's about knowledge. And so there were people in, in, in this time, and John was saying, hey, I know what's going on in this culture. It was a secret knowledge. Gnosticism was saying there's a secret knowledge uh, that only certain elite people and smart people and enlightened people could obtain. And it's contrary to the exclusive nature of the gospel. Wait a minute. Jesus said, you know... Um, Christ came for the whole world. Whoever believes in him, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The gospel is inclusive, not exclusive, but these people were teaching this, which is contrary. And the Gnostics also claim that, hey, you have to attain this certain level to be able to understand all this. And they also claim that all matter or physical things in the world were evil, and that we had to obtain this secret knowledge to rise above these evil uh, things in, in, in our bodies and the physical nature around us. And since this physical flesh was evil, then Jesus couldn't have possibly come in the flesh because God wouldn't have put himself in an evil body, would he? And even some went to the extent that they would say, well, Jesus, God came in the flesh, but right at his baptism, God came inside his body, and then right before he got on the cross, God left his body. Is that what the scriptures say? Absolutely not. And so John's going, What? That's not true at all. Why are y'all teaching this? But here's the thing. Since the physical flesh was evil, and since the flesh was evil and we're not responsible for our flesh being evil and all the stuff around us that's evil, and it's created as such, my body is created evil as such, then guess what? I can do whatever I want and I'm not responsible. That's popular. That's great. I can do whatever I want. I'm not responsible because my body's evil anyway. So this was like, yeah, I like the Gnosticism. Sign me up. Teach me how to get to that level. And there was a lot of bad things that were going on with leaders because they were saying, I'll, I'll help you get to that level of, of Gnosticism, but you've got to come be with me. And, and you can imagine the kind of stuff that was going on. And John's going, this is awful. It's not only untrue, but it's creating all kinds of terrible things. So he's fighting against this certain thing in their, in their culture. Now, we may not... No people in our culture that practice or believe in Gnosticism, but I'm telling you, that same kind of behavior is going on. If Jesus really isn't who he said he was, and he really didn't die on the cross for my sins, and, and I can kind of just do whatever I want, I'm God, I can become God, I can do it myself, man, that's dangerous teaching, y'all, but it's out there, it's available, and people believe this stuff. And it can become a popular teaching. So John makes it clear. Well, how do you recognize? With all these things being taught in his culture and in ours, how do we know? How do we know what's true on the, on the internet? How do we know what some guy that's writing a blog from some you know, spiritual sounding website? Is that really true? Well, you have to know God's word. And John says this. If the teaching acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh, that's from God. He dwelt among us, John says in his gospel, was born, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and then he gave a commission to his disciples to teach all these things I have commanded. And if the teaching does not acknowledge this, then it's not from God. That's pretty simple. That's the way John looks at things. If it does not acknowledge Jesus at all, it's not from God. If, you, if you're hearing somebody teaching that you can obtain salvation apart from Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, it's not true. You can't obtain it from that. So we have to do some tests with the information and things we hear. How do I know this is true? Well, it's in the internet. It's got to be true. Somebody wrote it in a blog. It has to be true. No, you still have to test these things. I saw a story about it. Okay, but you still have to test these things. If I said right now, I heard there's an elephant loose in the parking lot right now. You get what? 
is that true? And you start thinking about your car. Oh my gosh, is my car getting crushed? <laughs> How did that happen? But I just said, I heard you would have to test that to see if there's really an elephant in the parking lot. Now, if I said Ken Collins, who's our, um, the lead of our safety team, came and said, there's an elephant loose in the parking lot, Craig, I would believe Ken because he's, he's connected through walkie-talkies with a, a uniformed officer and, and a lot of other of our safety team that go around all uh, every Sunday. Some of y'all know that. Some of you may not know that. But they're all around watching and trying to keep us safe. But if they told me there was an elephant loose, I would believe them. Or if I came screaming going, y'all, there's an elephant in the parking lot. I just saw it. Then you would know it was true. But as silly as that is, sometimes we just believe things without really testing them. We have to do it. In our spiritual life, we need to test these things. We'll go through hours and hours of research and uh, some product we want to buy. But sometimes we just take people's teaching as face value. You shouldn't take my teaching at face value. I am so thrilled. I had some folks... Write me an email the other way. Say, hey, you said this in your sermon. I was wondering about that. Man, I love that. You know why? It tells me, number one, they're paying attention. You know? It's not like Father McKenzie writing the words of a, a sermon that no one will hear. You don't know. No, they, actually, they were paying attention. Y'all can laugh if you understand that song. But anyway, um, I was, it was great. I had this great conversation online about things that I was teaching that the Bible comes from, and they were verifying what you're teaching sounds like this. Is this true? And they know the Bible, and I know they're reading, they're checking up on me. I need that. You shouldn't believe anything I just say here. You need to be able to know God's Word and be able to say, hey, is that true what Craig said? Is that true what Andy Stanley said in his sermon? Is that true what this guy wrote in his blog? Is that true what my teacher said? If this girl in my class said this, is that true? You need to be able to go to Scripture and know whether that's true or not. And that's why it's so important that we know God's Word. And I don't mean in a prideful, I'm going to win the argument kind of way. That doesn't help anything, does it? Oh, I'm going to, boy, I'm going to get them on Facebook this week or on my Twitter. No, that's not going to bring people to Christ. But being able one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball, say, hey, this is why I believe what I believe. Let me share that with you. Now tell me what you believe and why you believe that. What is your starting point to get to that belief system? That's much more better. That's much better, much more better. You see where I went to school? It's much better that way. But there are ways of going to find out the truth. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, we need to be about finding the truth about that. You guys will research all kinds of things. Now, I know I get on you teenagers a little bit, but man, you guys are on your phones all the time and you're researching stuff. Are you researching stuff that's going to help you in your spiritual life? Are you just finding find who, who won, you know, who had the longest baseball game? That's great. My son knows that, but does he know Jesus? Well, yes, he knows Jesus, but, you know, we, we need to do that. We research all kinds of things that are of, 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 of nonsense. But John says, don't be afraid, don't be insecure of these things in the world, these people that are teaching false things. You don't need to be worried about that. You need to know they're doing it, and you need to know how to discern it, but you don't need to be afraid of it. Why? And he says this, you, dear children, are from God. You're children of God. You have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that's where that comes from. He's saying, you have the Holy Spirit that helps you discern that. It's like a check engine light on your car when it comes on, and you see it go, "Uh oh, something's going on with my car. And half the time we have to go somewhere and get somebody to plug it up and tell us what that code means. But the same thing, when a a light goes off in our head, the Holy Spirit goes, "Woo! what they just said, that's not true. You need to be aware of that. And we go, what is that? What what, What should I do, Lord? 
And the Holy Spirit helps us in that. Notice that John reminds them that they are children of God. They, he, you not, need to know what your foundation is. You need to know what your identity is, who it is, and it's in Christ. And when you allow Jesus to transform your life, when you confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life, and you make that confession, that means you are dying to your old self. And that's what baptism is symbolic of. I'm dying to my old self. I'm dying to the world. I've heard what the world says about salvation and life and death and morality and all that stuff. I've heard what they say, but it's not working for me. That's not going to give me eternal life. That's not going to give me forgiveness. That's not going to give me freedom from guilt and shame. But Jesus is saying, we're going to put all of that away. We're burying it. And we're going to resurrect you to a new person. And now Christ, same unique personality that I created you, but now Christ lives in you. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, greater is that than these other people that are living in the world saying all these things. And you need to know that. Be confident in that. And he says, hey, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And you, when you hear somebody talking, it's pretty clear sometimes. You go, uh, uh, they're speaking from the world. When y'all watch news, okay, when you watch news, and this is one of the, my favorite things to do. After something happens on the news, like a, a, a political debate, I like to go to, to different news and watch what they say after the debate. It's always the same, isn't it? Not at all. Once they say, well, this is what they just said. I go, that's not what I heard. And this, this is what they said. That's not what I heard. Sometimes I agree. When I was growing up, there was a guy named Walter Cronkite that did the news. Okay? Now, I found out later he had some really crazy views on some stuff I had no idea about. And I was young, I know. But when he talked about the news, he just gave the news. This is what happened today. Now, some of you go, well, I don't know. I remember when he, and you may do. But for the most part, I go, he just presented the news. But now we have like... Three or four people that have a little conversation about it and tell us what that person just said. I go, well, I don't need you to tell me what they just said. I know what they just said, but that's the way our culture is. The world needs to filter it for us and tell us what they just said. Now, I know that, I know that gives people jobs, and I'm not trying to take away people's jobs, but it's just odd in our culture. And John's saying that was happening in our culture. People are saying these things. They, they speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. And there's a lot of people, when you say, where'd you get that information from this? Now, I know we rag on the president a lot, and I get all that, and you know he talks about fake news, but there's a good chunk of what he's saying is true. There's a lot of fake news out there. There's a lot of false truth out there, and we have to be able to discern that. Not for our political party, but for the truth of knowing who Jesus is and giving that life-changing truth to somebody who can really transform their life. And so John makes us aware of those who will take on the viewpoint of the world. They listen to the world, and the world listens to them. But he says, but we're from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God, they don't listen to us. Have you ever, and we get frustrated with somebody when you're trying to tell them the truth, and they just, they, they don't want to hear it. Don't confuse me with the facts, you know? And they don't want to hear it. And I think that's kind of what John's saying. because they're not going to listen to you. They didn't listen to Jesus. And Jesus said, you don't listen to me because you are a child of what? Remember what we said a couple weeks ago? Your, your dad, the devil. And he's saying the same thing. John makes it clear. It's this or that. You can know the spirit of truth or the spirit of falsehood. The world infiltrates every part of our lives, and you've got to be able to filter that out through the Holy Spirit. How is it affecting you? What are you watching? Now, we go through this all the time. Parents and kids, oh, that doesn't affect me. I can watch that, and it doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. You know, remember The Passion of the Christ? You remember when that first came out? And it was brutal. If anybody's seen that movie, you remember, I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, the brutality, the violence in that film. Well, guess who was all upset about that? The same people years ago who said, it doesn't affect you. 
What we put in the movies does not affect people. The same people that said that said this was awful, we shouldn't show it. And I was like, what in the world? We're showing what really happened historically, and you're saying that, that it, it doesn't, you know, we shouldn't do that because it does affect people. Well, we've been saying stuff about your kind of trashy movies for years, and you said it doesn't affect people. That was amazing. But what are we watching and listening to? And I remember growing up, and there's certain songs that we listened to, and your parents would question you, or your youth minister would question you. Is that good music? I remember a kid, this is awful, I could not get away with this. I would be arrested nowadays or put in jail as a youth minister. But I was in the car with a couple of my youth group members when I was a youth minister, and they put in a cassette tape. Remember those? <laughs> and it was horrible, filthy music. And I said, hey, let me see that. And he pulled it out and let me see it, and I threw it out the window. <laughs> he was like, what are, you, what are you doing? And I said, I tell you what, why don't we go tell your mom and dad what I just threw out the window? You know? Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I'm just saying they were listening and it was affecting them and they were telling me that it wasn't. Now, I'll tell you, that same kid I ended up doing his wedding, so we're okay. We're still buddies, all right? <laughs> but he remembers that. I was laughing about it. He said, remember what I think? He said, yeah, I remember, man. It was my favorite group. And I said, yeah, they're all going to hell. And that's where you were headed, buddy. <laughs> but we have to know and check. So y'all were laughing about this, but some of you young people and even some of us adults, we're listening to people singing philosophies of life, and we're, that, that stays in your head. You can't get it out. You're, you're watching stuff on videos, and it gets in your mind, especially guys and girls. It affects guys visually much more than it affects you, but it still affects you. And when those things are going in, and we don't have a filter to hey, say, wait a minute, is that displaying the character of Christ? Is that displaying the kind of things that I want people to know about that's going to point them to Christ? You have to answer that question. I can't answer that for you. But we watch movies and we listen to stuff and we watch YouTube videos. And yeah, they're funny, but what are they actually saying? I'm not saying you have to quit doing all of that stuff. But y'all, we have to realize it affects us. And that's what John is saying. It affects you. And he doesn't want to affect you in a negative way. He wants to give you, Jesus says, I came to give you what? Life. An abundant life, not a life that's going to lead you to chains and slavery, ultimately. And we got to know what that is. So think about that. What are you watching? What are you taking in? Truth or falsehood? What are, are you testing to see what spirit is being spoken to in this song, in this movie, whatever it is? If you're truly a follower of Jesus, you have a filter. You have that warning system. A check engine light should come on in your mind. Man. Should I watch this? Maybe I should put this away. Maybe I need to, you know, I need to listen to my mom. I need to listen to my youth minister. I need to listen to my coach. I need to listen to my teacher. They're really trying to steer me in the right direction. Because let me tell you, people your age do not have the wisdom to know everything. They do not. You have close friends. And if you have, I, I did a wedding last weekend, and I was so encouraged. They were a bunch of 30-year-olds. And, and there was eight, <laughs> there was, I think, eight groomsmen and eight um, bridesmaids and you know how that can last at a rehearsal dinner <laughs> but the things that they said about growing up in college and these were mostly christian folks and how they had been with each other and held each other accountable in some of the hardest times of their life it was very encouraging to hear that that they held each other accountable they called each other out on some really difficult things that they were doing in their lives and now they're married and have kids and they go man i appreciate you calling me out when I was in college about that. I appreciate you talking to me about that. It's, it changed my lives, and we're, we're still friends, really, really 
close friends because of that. And that's what John is saying here. You need to be around people who together with you can help filter out our, our culture and know what the truth is and present the truth. And we cannot ignore that because when we're ignoring the truth that God has clearly made available to us, we're ignoring God. And He loves us and wants what's best for us. So I'm going to stop. I've preached enough. Gotten into some, gotten into some of y'all's business. But this morning, maybe there's somebody here that says, you know what? I want to stop living like the world. I want to stop being and listening and talking like the world. I want to hear and talk and be like Jesus, my Savior. And it's a process. It doesn't happen immediately, but it is a process that we have to be disciplined in every day and allow that Holy Spirit to live through us. So if there's somebody here today, we want to offer that invitation. Kevin's going to lead us in a song in just a minute. Or maybe you're looking for a church home where, you know what? We do hold people accountable to God's Word in this church. I'm held accountable to what I preach. People that teach Isaiah, teaching our kids, he's held accountable to that. Our people that teach our kids, that teach our adults, everybody's held accountable. And we need to be held accountable. It makes us stronger. It helps us all know the truth together. So maybe you're looking for a church home, and we offer that invitation as well. So Kevin's going to lead us in a song. If you have that decision, we invite you to come forward. We're going to stand together and prepare our hearts for communion. But if you have a decision, come on forward. So let's stand and sing together. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation. Jesus. There is a light Overwhelms the darkness. There is a king.